It's like, uh, I'm on gate five, level B, but level B, like, cause it's, you know, the ramp up and down, like you can go down the stairs and still be on level B. You're listening to live coverage of Point Break Dave trying to find his car at the airport. This is the episode right here. <laughs> this could be the entire episode. Yeah. It's like episode 116 is when we decided to do a high concept episode. Very, very uh, Seinfeld and Breaking Bad, the fly episode all coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really weird when we hear the audio of his death <laughs> live. Now we're going to see it. You just turn the corner. It, I'm going to. I will yell if I see someone like running up behind you with a weapon of some kind. Thank you. It's time to it'd be time to administer the RKO at that point. <laughs> and we could we could announce it. It'd be like Dude, Dave turns around are, Kinsasa. If you RKO'd somebody, I would run to DFW airport right now and count it out. What's funny is the the uh plane I took out there. I thought I, that may be the end of Point Break, Dave. It was super, super small. And I don't know what it is, but small planes freak me out. It's one of those American Eagle flights? No, it was a, a small United plane. Ooh, dear. Yeah, and United, like, it was so small, like, it probably wouldn't have made the news. Other than the <laughs> fact that I would have been on it, obviously. So that would have been front page, but... Well, yeah, I was going to say on the uh, day of the Mueller report being released and Notre Dame burning to the ground. Local podcaster perishes, plane status unknown. The plan is to erect a monument at Casa Mignana in his honor. So seriously, how have you not found your car? Yeah, yet? so I was gonna say we're two minutes twenty-one seconds into the episode, and all I've seen is the ceiling of the parking garage just bouncing and bouncing around. You just see a guy with a failed smile. Just kind of like this is fine. So this is fine. I'll tell you what I did last weekend because I was also traveling, is I just walked around the parking garage beeping the alarm button until I finally heard it the floor above me, and then I then I was zeroed in. You know what's funny is the make of the car I have there's an app that'll lead me right to it but then I would have to lose you guys so oh no we can't have that we, we, well, no I mean just, no I'm good thank you uh oh uh oh did somebody just ask you for help I think I think you just got profiled I think you're right sir do All you right. know where you are you know what I do is uh, the parking garages have like a section and a number, you know, like Dude, B, I'm, I'm, B20. I'm in, section, I'm in 5B is where I need to be. Do you think you're so, maybe at the wrong terminal? Have you considered the possibility that maybe like you parked in Terminal C and now you're in Terminal A? No, I'm in Terminal E and that's where I took off from. So <laughs> good, good thought, but no. And you are, you are at the same airport that you took off from. <laughs> That is also correct. Because I hate to admit it, but I've also done that in my life. You did love in DFW? I did, yes. Oh, wow. So <laughs> all, the, all the mistakes have been made here. So this is even more embarrassing if you know, like, the number, the letter and number, and you still can't find it. That's, that's pretty it's, bad. It's concerning. I think I just didn't go down... It didn't go down far enough. Yeah, well, you know. Some people don't like to do that, and that's okay. <laughs> and we're not talking about profiling or anything here. We're just saying sometimes they don't. Personal, personal preference. Just personal preference. Okay, so this is episode 116 of Tell Me Where to Turn. Uh, as you might tell, we had to take a week off due to me being out of town, and then we got ready to record this week, and then Dave was like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, I'm in Chicago for two days. <laughs> so the plan was to record tonight, and then this morning we got the text from Dave, the, uh, oh, hey, guys, my flight doesn't actually get in until very late in the day. 
So like the good podcast brethren that we are, we decided to wait it out for Point Break Dave to join us live, and now he's joining us via cell phone technology from the parking garage at DFW. I, hey, I see it. I All see right, it. he found it. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. It. Oh, no. That's a that's a seven series. That guy works harder than I do. Uh oh. Or yeah, or say or or his balloon payment is going to be slightly higher than yours. <laughs> so one, well, you can, uh, one of the two. You can find the show at Where to Turn Pod. You can find me at Glenn three underscore eleven. You can find me at Tommy two underscore zero. And you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. And if somebody can find Dave's car at B five. <laughs> If this if you're listening to this tomorrow morning <laughs> and we've tweeted out we still haven't found the car, we'll put a reward out of some kind. So should we is it time to start considering alternative options here like perhaps the Not car was one? stolen? No. I don't think I don't think we're there yet. The next thing is to uh briefly leave the podcast and <laughs> pull it up, but I, I don't think that's gonna be necessary. I think we're getting close. I would have thought that would have been necessary about six and a half minutes ago as soon as it wasn't where you thought it was. Well, you know, there's, they can't all be home runs. Sometimes you got to mix in a, a single, a hard-fought single. A lot of things have happened since the last time we were together. A little bit of time's passed. Something happened that I've been really eager to tell you guys about. And it involves April Fool's Day. Uh-oh. And Hummers. No. But it does involve work. And what I think was perhaps the worst April Fool's prank ever pulled. April Fool's work pranks are always dicey. Yeah, so that's where I wanted to start the conversation. So I'm assuming that you guys' places of business, that there was no... April Fool's pranks pulled in the workforce. No, we no. don't do that. No. No. And also as executive leadership that you both are in your company, I think career advice for anybody would be going for an elaborate April Fool's prank at work is never a good idea. I would advise against it strongly. So let me tell you what this guy does at work. And I want to go ahead and give you the ending of the story. As far as I know, there were no repercussions on anybody. The, I saw the guy today. He still apparently is employed. So I think what he was lucky is that the people he decided to pull the prank on were cool. Because I think if it went the other direction, that this guy could have been out looking for employment today. Or maybe looking for his car, one of the two. Oh, hold on, boy. We got a development here. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh, what a day. We're good? Look at this. Oh, there it is. Oh, wow. That's a cool Nia Jax sticker you have on the back. <laughs> Takes up the whole back windshield. <laughs> well... It's going to be replaced by an iconic sticker here shortly. <laughs> Very nice. So the company that I work for, they have, and I think I may have even mentioned this in the podcast before, but they, they have multiple buildings in the campus, and there's, there's um, shuttle buses that drive employees between the buildings on the campuses. And they run just in a continuous loop. So about every five minutes, one pulls up in front of the building. So okay. the uh, shuttle buses are driven by some very unique individuals. There's, I think there's four or five bus drivers. Do we just lose Dave? No, I'm uh, still here. Oh. I just, I... <laughs> he said, I'm still here and then cut himself off. Yeah. So the... Oh, no. Hold on. All right, he's an AM. Awesome. He just he's, jumped. He's con- oh. He just called us from 1965. <laughs> like the movie Frequency. Let me see. Uh, gonna... Oh, here we go. There he is. Okay. We're back. Okay. Let's, try, get to... It, let's get to the story. Sorry. I'm trying to switch <laughs> shuttle, to Bluetooth. Shuttle drivers that aren't doing very well. Yeah. Well, I didn't say that, but I, I think you can infer. Yeah, so this is what the guy, this is what the guy does on April Fool's Day. He has a bus full of people. 
pulls up in front of the building, then stops short of where he, he normally unloads the people, puts the bus in park, gets out of the bus, walks around to the back of the bus, comes running back to the front of the bus and goes, everybody needs to get off, the bus is on fire. <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Like, that's that's second in line of him walking off the bus and then coming back with, like, an AR-15 and pointing it at everyone. That's the worst thing. Yeah, so... Saying there's a fire is second. So my thought process is, is, first of all, it's not funny. Second of all, you've got all these, you know, people that are actually there to work in their executive level jobs that you've now probably made late for meetings because you've stopped in between stops. And then three, the, the most pressing is... What if somebody were to get hurt fake evacuating the bus? <laughs> I mean, that's that's yeah, what? company liability, lawsuits. I mean, this is it's a borderline disaster waiting to happen. Well, apparently the guy does this all morning. Every busload of people he has, because the reason I found out about it was I got on the bus about 9.30 on April Fool's Day, and the lady sitting next to me goes, hey, look, Something's going to happen here in a minute. Just don't worry about it. It's a joke. And I said, what are you talking about? She's like, well, I rode the bus earlier. Just wait. And the guy does it again. So he had been doing it all morning and nobody had smartened him up and said, hey, man, this is really not a good idea. And by the time I did it on my bus, nobody even flinched. Like he comes in, does his whole spiel, and everybody just looks at him like, no, it's not. Wow. How How would the bus be on fire in the in the back? The engine in the bus is in the back. You don't know that. What bus are you driving? You've never heard of a. Bus? You've never heard of a pusher. I, I guess not. Have you heard of a spinner? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never had one catch on fire though. So what? In his mind, like, what's the outcome if that joke lands? <laughs> like, you know, like. Everyone comes diving off the bus in a panic, and then he's like, "It's a joke," and they're like, "Oh, you got us! Good job, bud." <laughs> I might have twisted my ankle a little bit, but man, that was funny. Yeah, that's just just really like, handcrafted. Great. There's no good outcome to that. No, but I'm I'm guessing that this guy probably didn't think it through to that level. No, I don't think so either. Did anyone RKO him? <laughs> No, actually, uh, it was quite the opposite. It was it was just like a whole bunch of uh, people fighting against the Ultimate Warrior. Nobody sold anything. <laughs> and now he they thought he, he thought he was Tommy's he thought he job. was landing his finish, and we just stood there and shrugged it off. Yeah, now that guy's running the entire company. And so that's what somebody should have done: is hired him yeah. to run the entire company for an entire year and then reveal next year on April 1st that it was a 2019 April Fool's joke. <laughs> don't worry about it. You still have all your old jobs back. And <laughs> back pay and everything. He still just got paid as a shuttle driver. We just dressed him up, walked him around like Weekend at Bernie's. And suddenly all Tommy's corporate stock just plummeted that year. And you're like, oh, it turns out we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Letting Harold run the company was a poor idea. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, jokes about company stock are not funny right now. I don't know if you've read the news recently, but we took a pretty big, we took a pretty big nosedive in the last seven days. Ah, uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, the world of high finance is not looking great right now. Oh no. Something else funny that I w- was going to quick hit on is. I'm still listening to the ticket every day, so listen to the musers in the morning, try to catch as much Bob and Dan as I can between meetings, and then listen to a podcast instead of the hard line every night, like I always do. Right. As you should. But what I've noticed is things that you take for granted living in Dallas is just kind of general ticket lingo that people know. You use that here, and it just either, one, people have no idea what you're talking about, or two, they think things that you completely right off is just normal conversation is like extremely hilarious. But I feel like okay. I've, I've kind of reinvented myself as like a very self-styled comedian just using other people's material. It's amazing. 
Oh, that's a great way to go. Dane Cook made millions of dollars doing that. <laughs> I was in a I was in a um, meeting over lunch the other day, and we were talking about our families, and I referred to my wife as the woman who currently resides in my house for free. <laughs> and I mean, you would have thought we would have had to like shut the company down for the rest of the day. The amount of laughs it got. Yeah, that that is a uh, that is a bit that plays well pretty much everywhere. The any reference to. Any reference to the lady that lives with me rent-free usually pays off pretty big time. Ticket audience or yeah. not. No, but I'm thinking about maybe just, just really going all in and, and uh, telling people about my pig and everything else, but I haven't, I haven't got the courage to do that. But just other, nope. just other things, you know, just other things, you know, just the real, just the real quick hit lingo about somebody, somebody being a spare and things like that, like people just look at you with the biggest question marks over their head. They just have no idea what you're talking about. That's well, I, ran funny. Up, I ran up against that in, uh, in college and me and my roommates all were from Dallas and listened to the ticket from basically the time it came on the air. I mean, when I was in college, we're talking, it's only like year four through six, right. you know, of the ticket. So it's still pretty early on. But uh, like in East Texas, there weren't a ton of people that had exposure to it. And we kind of talked a certain way because we had listened to the station every day for, you know, however many years. Right. And we had to go to the point of like we had like the 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 dictionary, the ticket dictionary, like posted up in our apartment. So if like a friend of ours, we said something and we didn't feel like explaining it, we would just point at the wall and he would have to go over and look at the term that we had uh, referenced and figure out what we were talking about. And that is amazing. That's really funny. So was that something you made or was that a real thing? No, it was on back then. It was on the website. Okay. That was during one of the, one of the times that they did a whole website overhaul for the ticket and then never updated it after the original right. overhaul. Yeah. It was, everybody was really excited. They were like, oh, it's like, we got a drop page not- now. And it was just the same, <laughs> like it, they never updated it after the first, the first look at it. Yeah, it was like after 9-11, they just never touched mm. it again. Because for, for a couple of years, they archived every single show on there. And you could just go back, you know, to whatever. I don't know how long they, if they, you know, kept them on there forever. Maybe they just kept them on access for a period of time. But, I mean, you could go back. If you didn't listen Monday, you could go back and listen to the Muser show like three days after the fact. Then they stopped doing that. And everybody stopped going to their website. <laughs> Do you, do you, I'm going to tell a story here and then if this heads in a bad direction, we can just delete it. But do you have any connection to the individual that was filling in for Gordo Monday through Wednesday this week, Eli Jordan? Uh, no, I have no connection to that man. So if we tell a story about him being a spare, that won't reflect negatively on you? Uh, no, it will not. This is a quick story, but, um, but he was, I mean, he was on the, uh, from Monday through Wednesday for the vacation in Gordo, or I guess Monday and Tuesday. And then I think they had uh killer yesterday and Justin Montemayor today. Justin crushed it today. Oh yeah. I was, I'm a big fan of Justin's work. I'm yeah. actually a big fan of killer's work just because of the, I, it's not a joke. Like he really is that nervous and that anxious <laughs> and I can sympathize with that, but they had Eli Jordan on Monday and Tuesday and he's, he's not great. I mean, He's a little has a little bit of generic voice, and he was really bothering me because he was, I don't know if he was clearing his throat or smacking his lips. He's making all these weird noises the whole time he was doing music in the news. It was just like this constant, just like the whole time. So, anyways, was uh, talking. I have a little group text of friends from my old place of employment, and one one of the girls on the group text said um, that she had just, I guess, two weeks ago gone on a tinder date with eli jordan really did he take her to play golf (laughs) so basically had no idea who he was you know knew knew who he was from the ticket but didn't know when the date was organized so met him okay said you know he told who he was you know she made the connection pretty quick but said that they i guess they went to a bar for drinks it said it was the most boring three hours of her entire life and has since ghosted him, but that he keeps texting her every single day. Oh, no. <laughs> and she hasn't Poor responded Eli. for two weeks. Let's keep a thought out for Eli, then. So, yeah, things are not going well. 
not going well. Man. So I had uh, just a couple of quick things. First off, I had a real weird encounter at the gym about a week or so ago. And was it with the guy that brief, but it was something I had never seen before. Was it the guy still laying on the ground that had torn both uh, ACL or both meniscuses <laughs> on the calf raise machine? No, but it is knee related. So I was there, wasn't in the morning because I think it was a couple weeks or so ago. The family was out of town, so I actually went like in the evening. So just working out, you know. I think I was destroying the incline press at the time, just kind of in between sets, you know. And uh, there's this guy kind of almost right next to me who's stretching, and he's using like the where you rack the weights on that bench or whatever to stretch his legs. Pretty flexible guy. So he got his leg propped up on there, and he can do the whole thing where you know you can like touch your forehead to your knee, which wow. maybe maybe had a rib removed. I'm not sure, but. <laughs> So I'm noticing the flexibility. So I kind of glance over there and he was apparently so pleased with his flexibility <laughs> that he leaned over and he kissed his kneecap. <laughs> and then I get like the wide, like Joey Gallo eyes all of a sudden. And he just kind of raises up and looks right at me. And I just kind of gave him like a one, one, two count of just awkward glance and just walked away. So was this was this guy um, somebody that you would not have wanted to physically tangle with? No, this guy was like fifty something years old, and no, this so basically you'd have had him in the Cochina clutch immediately if <laughs> things had got dicey. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. But I was more worried about I don't know, like him having like a needle on it on him that he punctures into my neck and I wake up in a room that's got it's covered in plastic that's and probably then the suddenly your knees fear. are up by your chin as well <laughs> yes yes He's I would teach you how to be just that. teach you how to be just as flexible yes. I can't say that I've ever seen that specific move but I feel like the most annoying people in the gym are the people that are overly flexible and want to flaunt that for people and I have experienced that just the guy that'll just go and just do the splits you know somewhere or people you know that that you know will put put their prop their leg way up high on a machine you know just to show everyone in the gym that they can do it I think that's that's one of the most aggravating cocky people in the gym yeah it is pretty annoying. Almost as aggravating as me taking up one of the two prime squat racks today and had tens on either side of the bar. That is that is a crime. This was discussed, uh, and it wasn't on the. It was uh, it was on the ticket. I forgot what show. No, it had to be Dan was doing it because he's gym guy now. But um, he was. They were just talking about the bench press and what's the minimum that you should have on there to be taking up the bench press. And the, the universal rule is you have to have at least a 45-pound plate on each side. Right. Or you cannot – I mean, it's female exemption, so we're talking yeah. males. Yeah, But if, you, if you're rolling up with a 10, a 5, and a 2.5 and on each side, no, this is, not, this is not the sixth grade. You can go do some push-ups or something. You don't need to be taking up a bench. So what's the, what's the squat weight, Lynn? Because – it's certainly more than ten <laughs> on each side, unless you were doing unless you were doing like the squat like all the way down to the floor type thing. Right. Well, I was doing that, and then I was also doing really high rep sets to fit to just full like jello leg fatigue. But you can't explain that to somebody who's just walking by, like say the woman yeah. that's getting on the treadmill as I'm doing like my second rep, and she's just like, "All right." So that's so the happening. amount of weight is like inverse to the depth of the squat. You know, right. if you're doing just like the one where it's barely downward, you know, if, if you put the, like the little chair there, mm -hmm. like your butt, like might barely touch it, it's not the full deep squat, right? Then you need more weight on there. But if you're doing like the thing where you go all the way down to the floor, right? Then, I don't know because I don't know I'll if I could do that without weight. Well, yeah, I was gonna say you, well, you, you could probably have done that before, before that fateful night in the uh, at the Jewish community center, but. I have less problem with what Tommy was doing than the the you know dude that goes in there and loads up you know two eighty five or three fifteen and then like 
barely unhinges his knees. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the the range of motion is like a quarter of an inch and then racks it back up and you're like, dude, you're not doing anything. Right. Well, that yeah, guy's worse. I, I had a run in with that or encounter with that guy today because that this this gym that I go to, they, they have the weird layout where the, the two squat racks face each other. So if you're doing squats and the other guy is you're you're basically you are you're standing face to face while you're doing them. And this guy, again, you know, not not anybody I, I would be too concerned about, you know, if we were saying like a you know, money in the bank ladder match or something like that. You know, I wouldn't be trying to slide under the ropes to avoid this guy. He puts, you know, about probably over 250 on there and then puts it like, it's hard to, it's hard to explain because I'm, I'm not going to have the right words, but I mean, it looked like he put the bar like on his neck. I mean, it looked so, so ripe for injury. I mean, there was just, it was just all wrong. And then, yeah, to Dave's point, barely cracked his knees and then does a couple of reps racks the bar and i'm like and then he goes to get weight and i was like well okay good he's he's realized that he's made a terrible mistake and it was like nope he's getting 25 more to put on each side (laughs) while i'm sitting there yeah while i'm sitting there with uh nothing on there just just dominating just you've got it. a couple of quarters on there like literally you've just bounced (laughs) a couple of quarters on each side Man, I'll tell you what, I saw another impressive girl deadlift again today. I don't know what that's about. How much? Yeah, are we talking two plates, two, three plates? Two 45s on each side. And she had her toes pointed outward almost in like a ballerina type move, which I don't know if that helps you or yeah. hurts you. The sumo deadlift. Oh, that's that's, that's called right. okay. That's what she was doing. Yeah. You Good have for some- her flexibility for that <laughs> hey you guys want to hear some stories from traveling what, what about like not being able to find your car in the airport parking garage no we covered that actually let's go relive that again <laughs> Should we, yeah I'll play the first story. six minutes of the show and and you can narrate what you were thinking here's a a quick positioning statement i travel maybe uh, like, you know, airplane, maybe four times a year for work and then probably another three or four for just like vacations. Right. So I'm not every other week airplane frequent flyer guy. So I think but I travel enough. I think I have a healthy perspective on travel. Travel itself. is pretty great. Like TSA pre-check, it's not a beating. Sure, you could get a little more leg room on the plane, but you know, you're Dallas to Chicago in two hours and fifteen minutes. You got Wi-Fi on the plane now. But the only problem, and it's not all the people, it's like <laughs> if you encounter four hundred people between the people on the plane and, you know, people in the airport, food court, and whatever. But there's, like, three people that ruin travel. Like, that make it completely a miserable experience. I sat next to one of them on the flight out, which was lady in sweatshirt and sweatpants (laughs) that had apparently never washed either the shirt or the pants or herself in the last week and a half. No. And, like, you just, you can't do that. Like, even if she's about to get off the plane and go directly to, you know, run a marathon or something, something you don't want to shower before, you owe me shower and clean clothes because I'm sitting next to you. This is the world Dave lives in. He just thinks everybody owes him. That's just being a decent human. Now, I want to ask and a question about this this particular ahead. person delicately. Um, probably needs to do more deadlifts, maybe? Mix in the cardio here and there? Yeah. Like, um, think 
think Nia Jax, but I mean, she's not working a 20 minute match. Let's put it that way. Um, and then, well, I'm, go ahead, Glenn. I was going to say, she's only doing one kind of squash match. <laughs> exactly. It's probably a birthday cake. Just... <laughs> okay, go ahead. Then the other thing, okay, so I'm not going to get into the obvious ones. The, you know, stand up too quick guy and try to jump the, the deplaning because everyone hates that guy. Had another guy on the plane today. Um, I think we all know the universal sign. Like, if you're boarding the plane and one of the overheads is closed, what does that mean? It's full. It's full. So this guy is one of the last dudes to get on the plane. First, he's trying to put up, like, like it looked like just like an iPad and like a little zipper bag. So I don't know why he's trying to put it in the overhead anyway. And I watched him. So all the overheads more or less are closed, except the ones in the very back. He opened up every single one. (laughs) He's walking down the aisle and popping it up completely full. Close it. Pop up the next one. Full. Close it. I'm like, dude, you have to have some awareness on how this works. And then last guy is... The guy was like the full, like, hiking a mountain backpack. Okay, I hate this guy. Walking around the airport, you know, bumping into everyone (laughs) because he's at O'Hare, but he thought he was summiting Everest. That guy killed me. I just but don't see how carrying everyone where free solo is. <laughs> I just don't see how carrying around a backpack like that is is pleasurable in any way. I think it's like a I think it's like it's it's the uh it's the 26.2 sticker. It's like, "Hey, I hike. I got to let everybody know." <laughs> That's what it is. But the traveling story I want to tell you is I watched a documentary on the plane. Please really? tell me it was Ted called, Bundy. No, it was called Oklahoma City. Well, do tell. So it was all about Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Oh, oh yes, okay. yes. All right. Very, very timely. When they still had, it was just an hour and a half about the James Harden trade. <laughs> <laughs> just about no. how, how we could let these things happen. So was this uh, was this the documentary that PBS did? Yes. Have okay, you seen so this? I, yeah, I'm like 99% sure that was the one I watched. I, I have seen one on Oklahoma City before. I didn't even know okay. this existed. Is this one episode or is it a series? No, it's a one. It's a one time. It's like I mean, it's probably like a, yeah, hour oh, and a half. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even know this existed. Well, I'm glad, Glenn, you've seen it because you will be able to recall this. So first, Tommy, you need to watch it because it's it's very good. But maybe a third of it is actually McVeigh and the Oklahoma City bombing. Because they kind of talk about that in the beginning, and then they cut way back to before Ruby Ridge. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they go way back into, like, the whole, like, uh, not... Aryan Nation. I wanted to say Aryan Brotherhood, but it was the Aryan Nation. And, like, how they kind of got this foothold up in Idaho, so you could just go out there and do your own thing. So they go way back there and are kind of talking about just kind of that leading up to the Ruby Ridge. So I'm on... This is a... uh, You don't have the kind of screen that you can't in the back of the seat that we talked about where you can't really see what the guy next to you is watching. This is watching on your phone. So the people on my row are looking over and about the first (laughs) half of that movie is dudes with swastika armbands, (laughs) shaved heads, like saluting and marching. And then a guy quote unquote preaching in front of a cross that's made out of swastikas <laughs> and 
like every time I you can out of the corner of your eye, you can see the person over you like kind of glance over at what you're watching. I'm like, man, this is not good. Like, <laughs> just kind of had this, just kind of had your uh, lips pursed in that kind of Alonzo morning pose, and you're just kind of like, well, I mean. <laughs> Just taking it all in. <laughs> you just totally like, uh, I mean, he makes some good points. Just, you know, I don't agree with all of it. Just got to really understand there's multiple sides to every issue. We just want to hear everyone out. But man, uh, it, it, uh, I didn't know, I really didn't know much about the OKC bombing, like all the details of it. But uh, I really didn't know much about Ruby Ridge. Yeah. That one, so I forget the name of the family, but they weren't part of the Aryan nation. They kept referring to that guy as a separatist. So he basically just wanted to go and live completely off the grid. Like their home had no electricity or running water or anything. Yeah, he just had he just had guns there and I feel like if I remember correctly, I feel like the ATF was using him to try to get into the network of the the Aryan and white power people. Yeah. But then he kind of stopped uh cooperating, so then they're like, "All right, well, now we're just going to make an example out of you." Uh type of thing. And that was the whole deal that the guy the sniper who shot into the house and killed his wife, the guy's wife was the same guy, same sniper that was at Waco like a year or two later that, that yeah. had Tibbs within his sights as he was out there digging a grave. Exactly. But it was kind of, I mean, the thing about the, the Ruby Ridge family is, you know, they kind of had this whole separatist thing, but then they would like, for socializing, they would go and like do the picnics at the, Aryan Nation compound. So you kind of like have a Wait, hard they have, time. They have picnics? Yeah. You kind of have a hard time feeling bad for him because you're kind of like, yeah, this guy's a little wheels off. But what Glenn was saying is they basically had the FBI had a, a agent in that compound, like the Aryan Nation, and they thought of their chances to flip somebody that the Ruby Ridge dad was the the best chance. So they kind of like went to him and like, hey, we want you to modify these shotguns. And the dude doesn't have any money, so he does it. And then as soon as he does it, they're like, okay, now we need you to start <laughs> informing <laughs> and just real entrapment type stuff. But yeah, but the I won't go into all the documentary because I want Tommy to watch it, but they have like um, actual footage, like home video footage of McVeigh going to Waco during the standoff and like selling like anti-government bumper stickers to the people. Like it's, it's really creepy that he was outside Mount Carmel, like as before, you know, Operation Showtime was about yeah. to kick off. He was just out, like, on the farm-to-market road, sitting on the hood of his car. Yeah, waiting for Mike Hernandez to show up and try to vandalize something. Yeah. Exactly. Do I have my timeline Obviously. off a little bit? Yeah, and you gotta you got to watch it. It's really good. You certainly do not develop any sympathy for Timothy McVeigh in any way, shape, or form. No. Because he had no regrets as to what he did, even to the very end. No, even, like, one of his... Uh army people and it was 99% McVeigh but he did have a couple guys that helped him and even they were like okay you want to do this let's uh maybe we do it on a weekend or something just you know blow up the building and McVeigh was dead set like no there has to be a body count he was a, a messed up dude yeah and he he said after the fact that uh like where it was, where the, he staged the that rental van that had the bomb in it and everything, that it wasn't purposely put in front of the building where it would explode, where like the daycare center was. He said that that was uh, not by design, but then it turned out he had been 
kind of doing some recon in the building and went to a couple of places, was asking around and specifically asked where the, like the daycare center was. Yeah. So he, he knew exactly what he was doing. And that's the roughest part of that documentary when they start talking about that and the recovery and man, that'll, that'll get to you, man. But let me tell you, I've been to the, uh, the Oklahoma city Memorial when we, we went up there a few years ago and if you're a human being and can walk through that whole memorial museum and everything and not shed at least one tear, you are basically, you might have no soul. Because it is, uh, yeah, it pulls at the heart, heartstrings for sure. Yeah. No, that was rough. I was still fairly, I was probably, I don't know, it was 95, right? Yeah. So I would have been 11, 12. I was shocked I guess I didn't remember at the time how big a bomb that was. Like how it just like all the way up to the top of that building just took out like every floor for, you know, it was kind of like a third of the footprint of the building. But yeah. I mean, it got all the way up to the top floor. And he, and just, and he like, built that whole thing that with, it, with fertilizer and nitromethane and stuff that, you know, I mean, I know is probably more controlled now, but it wasn't, it didn't even really require any exotic materials, if I remember correctly. No, no and we, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, it's also weird in the, uh, when they're going through the evidence they found in the documentary, and it's like invoices from drag strips of him buying nitromethane yeah. and just like, oh, he we probably bought, know some of these people. He bought the racing fuel that he bought for the bomb. He bought in Ennis. Yeah, and and I was, I mean, without question, there we the there. day he bought it. I mean, it was during the Dallas Nationals, and I was there all four days during that time period every year. So theoretically, you could have stopped him. Yes, theor- <laughs> theoretically. Well, what a great, was- we could make like a whole uh, Netflix, we should pitch that to Netflix. It could be like a hybrid show about like, you know, time travel, changing current events, and then also just drag racing. <laughs> it's like the, pi- the pilot would really hook people in because there's this like compelling story about stopping this great national tragedy. But then like episodes like two through nine are just about racing with like, no. <laughs> yes. so, yeah, that's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's you at age like 14 just drop kicking McVeigh and foiling this plan that never happens and you know you've saved all these people and then and then it's just a drag racing montage. And then it's just hours. round by round of all the racing that happened that same day. <laughs> no, what I was going to say at the end though was um it seemed like and of course, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs, but at least in the documentary it seemed like they were, he was pretty close to getting away because they're doing the recovery, right? Which is a whole nother crazy aspect to it. So they're obviously the first responders are in there trying to get the people out that are still alive, but simultaneously, you know, the investigators are also in there because they don't know if there's more bombs or if, you know, this guy has other targets. So they find the, rear axle of the rider truck that was the bomb essentially so they traced that to the place that rented it but he had like a phony id so nothing was tied to him so then they're just kind of canvassing the place he rented it that little town in oklahoma and asking around and they get to this motel and the person's like, oh, yeah, yellow rider truck. That person stayed here for, you know, a couple days. And just in a stupid moment, he wrote his real name yeah. on, like, the check-in list of the hotel. And they're like, okay, now we have an actual name. And obviously he was former military, so they had addresses and everything for him. Well, so if he doesn't do that, like, maybe he's in the wind. But the funny thing about that is when they figured that out, they actually already had him in custody, but not for the bombing because yeah. the state trooper had pulled him over because he was speeding on the highway, driving a car that had no plates, and he's obviously not carrying ID or anything. And he uh, had a gun. That was the other thing. Uh, go. So he's in jail for that, and while he's in jail for that, 
they figure out this other and then trace it back and oh yeah this guy's already this guy's already behind bars this will be uh this will be pretty easy but like the 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 deal in Oklahoma City it has the car that he that was he was pulled over in is is in there and oh, then wow. a lot of other like artifacts from the building from i think like the rear axle from the rider truck is there and like just pieces of it that you know what wasn't just completely destroyed but like these mangled parts of it um are all in there it's if you're ever going through there for the day it's it's worth going to see yeah it's a it's a good uh a good documentary and i don't know man like i said it'd be rough to walk through that but probably would do it if i'm in that area at least we know that Dave's using his blinkers. Yeah, I was going to say, Dave's been using his blinkers a lot during this story. What's going on? I was at a stoplight, and I was turning left. He's just telling everyone where to turn. That's right. It's on brand. It's on brand for the show. I'm not going to do uh, a review of it here, but I am almost done with the 10-episode Formula One documentary on Netflix, and I highly recommend it. Oh, uh, okay. Highly, highly recommend it, especially for you. And you know what? Pass that on to the awesome dong too. I think he would really like to watch that. Okay. I will uh, just tell him it comes with Tommy 2.0's highest endorsement. <laughs> will do. I can get him. I can get him on something like that. I I kind of. Uh, I didn't get him on to wrestling like every week, but he he told me we're, I was out at their house a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that a couple different Monday nights he was just flipping through and saw that it was on and just stopped down for about an hour. And was like, what's the deal with that Constable Corbin anyway? <laughs> yeah. I hate that guy. Why are, they still, why are they still propping him up and everything? It's just like, Glenn, if, uh, I was flipping by and they were doing this moment of bliss. <laughs> I decided to stop down for a little bit. It's an interesting concept they have going there. Well, speaking of the great sport of wrestling, would you guys be interested in knowing who lost our WrestleMania wager? I feel like I didn't do well. I feel like I, I'm really confident if I had just not been overly creative and uh, picked Rey Mysterio over Samoa Joe, I feel like I would have been doing about as well as I could have done. That was a low point for you. Yeah. To reset. Iconics, <laughs> Iconics was the high moment. Go ahead. No, to, to, re, to reset, we um, picked all the matches at WrestleMania Loser of the bet is going to have to watch and review the Flat Earth documentary, which I think will make for a great episode, paying homage to the 9-11 episode that will live in infamy. So I did keep, uh, as you can see, I'm holding up here to the camera. Well, Dave can't see it because he's driving. I kept a score sheet throughout WrestleMania. I had it there and was pleasantly surprised when right off the bat, I jump out to the early lead by correctly picking Braun Strowman to win the men's battle Royal, which seemed like the most obvious pick of the day. Yet neither one of you two went that direction. That's true. That's true. Glenn's logic on uh, Tony niece proved wise as he upset buddy Murphy. I'm sure you were proud of that. Very much. So then things got dicey as the next four matches. And I, I, I don't know how we pulled this off, but we all three missed everything in the next four matches. <laughs> so we all missed the women's battle royal. We all missed the four-way men's tag match that was eventually won. Uh, wait a minute, who won that? Uh, Zach uh, Ryder no. and the, the the one that Usos won. Oh wait a minute, the Usos won. Yeah, the Usos retained. Yeah, hold on a second. Is this not so going to make a difference in the scoring? But Dave did have the Usos pro projected correctly, and then we all lost Kurt Angle, and then we all lost the Miz. Which again, right? Who saw that coming? Well, then Glenn gets red hot, and out of the next one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight matches, he predicts six correctly. Hey and about that same time, Tommy 2.0 got ice cold and only got two correct. Mm. Final standings show Glenn in first place. One point behind him, point break Dave in second place. <laughs> and picking up the rear by out of however many mashes in WrestleMania there were, I, I think there was 16. I only picked three correctly. <laughs> oh, oh wow. no. 
So in well, a landslide defeat, I will be reviewing the Flat Earth documentary. So this now, when they uh, review your viewing history, you now have Loose Change and the Flat Earth documentary in your wake. Yeah, I'm going to start getting targeted and profiled based on my viewing habits. We thought you might have liked. Yeah. Um, can we just talk? Uh, not going to go match by match, but just uh, maybe just five minutes of WrestleMania review since we didn't get to talk about it last week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will I will say I may drop off soon. So if I okay. do, carry on. So overall, I'd give, uh, I'd give it a B+. It's about where uh, I would have it. Let's uh, let's let's cut it back about an hour and a half. They've gotta they've gotta do something about that. But apparently there's there's kind of a weird end around that may, means they're never gonna shorten the time is because so many people watch it on the WWE network by having it just be one extra hour when they report to their shareholders the total number of viewed hours. Having that extra hour basically makes their whole year look better. Okay. They'll never change no. it, but I agree. Like there, it was there was just too much, too much wrestling. Yeah, it was it was a bit a bit lengthy. Um, starting out can I, with can I go on the sorry real quick on the length. I feel like the biggest issue with the length is it just kills the crowd by the end. Yes, like the crowd's just worn out. Yes, so. Is there any thought to either turning it into a two-day event or even even have some sort of lengthy intermission? Like, start it at noon, do three hours, then everyone can go do whatever, get a, get a bite to eat or a sandwich, <laughs> and then come back at seven and do the last three hours. Yeah, but there's too many people in attendance at this thing to be able to evacuate. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, if you had a multiple venue WrestleMania, I might be on board with that. No, I think what you could do is you could have the same length of the show itself. You could have, say it's, let's just say it's six hours of wrestling. Which is close. And do do three hours-ish, and then... Super Bowl has somebody that comes out and plays for like 20 or 30 minutes. I'm sure a band would want to play WrestleMania and just have roll somebody out there and have them just go at it for 30 or 40 minutes. You get a break from the wrestling part of it. If you want to watch that, you can. If you need your own break, you can go get a nice chicken sandwich, maybe <laughs> a Coke, some French fries, you know, whatever, whatever you want to get. But, um, yeah, I mean, by the time you get to like hour five, yeah. I mean, it is really wearing. Well, on and you. and just I made a I made a just a quick note of the matches that I think they just shouldn't have had, and I know this is going to offend you because it involves one of your favorite guys and also one of my favorite guys, but I don't think Reigns McIntyre needed to happen. I don't think Orton AJ Styles needed to happen. I don't think Balor Lashley needed to happen. I don't think for sure Samoa Joe Mysterio needed to happen. Yeah. I think you cut those four matches off the card, and then you're probably right at the right time limit. And then I think the crowd stays up the whole time because some of those, yeah, but then we're you're just so going through the motions. All those people off the WrestleMania card, right? But I think that we're getting to a point now with the roster being this big that that they're going to have to be okay with that. I mean, I know historically they don't do that, but there's just too many guys now. Yeah, I mean, I would, I can see the logic of. Uh, there, I don't think there's any way you're leaving Roman. No, you're you're not. But I just there just wasn't back from cancer. There just wasn't enough time to build up any heat in the match, and it was like, well, okay, we'll throw them in there with Drew because they're both big guys and they'll put on a good match. But there was just there was no build up or lead up to it. You know, there just uh, there it, was no. And same with Orton and AJ. They're good wrestlers, and it was a good match. But there was no no yeah. build, no reason for it to happen. So I enjoyed that one, but it might have been because it was like the second or third match. Oh yeah, and that and don't don't think that's not why they didn't have Brock and Rollins open the show is because Brock they turned on him so bad last year because they had to wait six hours yeah. for the match. No, Everybody's on board being, at the first match of the day. It's like yeah, make it happen. Let's roll. You know, let's yeah, do this. That ended up being perfect. I mean, when I I had a one of the kids had a thing. We went out to dinner with some family. 
I left the uh, the network streaming, so there wouldn't. When I got home, there wouldn't be any log on and wait or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I walk in the door, and when I walk in the door, the show was streaming, and Paul Heyman is walking down <laughs> the entrance ramp, and I was, as I think we all were, I was immediately in a tent <laughs> as they were leading this thing off with the Universal Title yeah, match, I, which which right really there. wasn't that great, but it was just like the. The buildup and it was just immediate. Right, payoff. Got, yeah, if that match got everybody. Is like the ninth match, we're disappointed. Absolutely, absolutely. That 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 match was a beneficiary of being first up, got the crowd fired up, and then yeah, and then settle in for a long night of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed it, but I, the the two worst matches. As I get my list in front of me. Um. Yeah, the Joe and Mysterio one just didn't need to happen. And then I can't decide whether Lashley Balor or Reigns and McIntyre was my second least favorite. It was one of those two because they just, it just didn't seem, neither one of them seemed to have anything. No, they didn't. And the demon's such a goofy character. And then everybody was excited for it. But then it's like after that, it's like, what do you do? They just kind of messed around for a minute and ended it. Yeah. And then, I still think they should have. That should have been a surprise, and the right. whole bit should have been that Lashley was like too afraid to wrestle him, that he has just some some fear of that stuff. I mean, and I I don't know, and he just runs out. Of course, that's gonna kill his character. I also don't have a problem with that because he has nothing. <laughs> no, and that would be that would be okay. High points for me. I think the Daniel Bryan match versus Kofi was was terrific especially the last you know seven or eight minutes where they just went into just a flurry of false endings and mm-hmm. crowd was on top of it rumor is and it's being very tightly guarded that daniel bryan may have sustained a concussion in the match and that may be it for him oh no because he hasn't been on tv or worked a match since and they're not disclosing why other than to say that he's injured which usually means he's in concussion protocol so that Man. would be, I mean, it would be an interesting way for him to go out, but also like, yeah, not a turn of events I was hoping for with, with him because having him back has been so great. Yeah, I really need enjoyed... Him. Uh, need him on the roster. Yeah, I really enjoyed Miz and Shane. Thought, you know, the, everybody knew they were going to jump off something crazy at some point. I thought that was a cool end of the match. Um, I thought that Batista and Triple H was pretty cool. Triple H going to work on them with the pliers. <laughs> Pulling the nose ring out, after, yanking, after yanking out the nose ring. Tri- tripped on the ropes, getting in, and almost just fell. Yeah, there was space. two funny trips. I don't know if you saw the other one, but the the entrances were cool. So Batista comes out in like the armor, you know, the armored GMC Yukons with with Secret Service agents. But then one of those guys trips when he's getting out of the car and almost goes down. And then Batista just does like the most old man, like <laughs> hooks the toe of his boot on the middle rope as he's going in. And like, I mean, it, the fact that he didn't just go face first is a miracle. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess they don't run on any delay because I'm thinking like a production truck could have saved that one. You know, you could have if you had been on the ball and you had a few seconds of delay, you just cut, cut that away real quick. To a different shot. Yeah. Cause that, and then and then you catch him like right towards the end of his entrance when he thinks they're going to AAA's entrance. You catch him clearly laughing with the referee about right. almost falling. So there's all kinds of weird, yeah, moments leading into that. Yeah, that that match. Uh, I was over at Dave's house, and me and Dave and Paul Bearer were watching it. And in and right before it, we were just knew that one was going to take forever because they were going to need like minutes at a time just to, to catch their breath. And I think we spent two thirds of the match just talking to each other and not really watching <laughs> well, it. Poor, poor Batista was just, I mean, you could just see him just panting. I just don't think, yeah. I think when you haven't been doing that, there's just no kind of training you can do to get you prepared for the shape you need to be in. And yeah, after every spot in the match, they're just laying on the ground, just sucking oxygen in. I thought Triple H's entrance was cool in that uh, Mad Max car. Yeah, with the uh, with the I don't know the the skeleton mask over his face. I'm I'm on board for any Triple H entrance. And everybody apparently has transitioned uh, that it comes out in some kind of a, a leather coat or vest that they used to be studded, but now everybody has spikes. Yeah, hey, that's, that's the gotta new get thing. with the times, man. And then, yeah, <laughs> I know I, I wear my spikes almost every day. 
in the main event, the women's triple threat, I think they could have done more with this. The uh, ending was weird. Apparently, it was kind of botched in that Ronda yeah. wasn't actually supposed to have ever had her shoulders off the mat. I kind of liked it better when they had the ambiguity there, but apparently that wasn't the plan, and they haven't talked about it since, which means it definitely wasn't the plan. Right, and even when they when you watch when they showed the you know highlights and replay on Raw the next night, they they like they didn't ever address it. They showed angles that didn't show her shoulders being up, and then apparently she got hurt during that match and broke her hand that required a surgery <laughs> right afterwards. And it sounds like sounds like she's done and maybe done forever. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, at least for the short term, there's going to be some things going on there that might also require a trip to the hospital. Right. Or perhaps so, just a inflatable pool in your living room. One of the two. Okay. Yeah, if you go go that route. Um I, I could see her coming back, but not like I don't see her having like a, a year contract appearing on Raw and all that. I could see in like two or three years there's some pay per view or some event and all of a sudden her music hits. Yeah. I could see that occurring, but yeah, I I don't think she's coming back and be a regular probably ever again. No, and I and I you know I think she did her year. She re- went on the road, did the whole thing, and yeah, now now's ready to move on. And you know what? I may still be in the minority on this, but people are gonna miss her, man. She added something to the show. She added value. I know everybody. The cool thing to do towards the last of her run was to make fun and you know boo her and say that she wasn't that great. But man, I'm telling you, she had something. We're gonna miss her. Yeah, I was. I, she was really awkward on the mic, especially at first. But I think she got better. Um, yeah, I mean, you need you need that polarizing figure. Yes, whatever side of it that you're on. So, just have to. Uh, we need to call up. Uh, what's her name? Shayna Baszler <laughs> from NXT. Yeah, yeah. Get her awkwardly looking face. <laughs> Up on the the top level, well, or we just get Bailey to step up and take that top spot. That's what we really need to happen. Yeah, that's uh, that's I think I'm I'm okay with that not <laughs> happening personally. Yeah, and then uh, and then skipping way ahead a whole nother week in time, the uh, annual superstar shakeup happened, and they took literally my three favorite performers off Raw and moved them to SmackDown. So I haven't seen. SmackDown yet, so so I, I guessed correctly. Bailey and Finn Balor. Yes. But who's the third? Elias. He's on SmackDown yes. now. Yes. Well, and and I don't know if you've avoided the news, but what they did is so the the rumor going around the internet all day was that they were going to move Roman Reigns to SmackDown, and that would be big news because he's never yeah. been on SmackDown, and they. Throughout the entire SmackDown episode, they would show the graphic with Vince McMahon's head and says, Mr. McMahon announces the biggest acquisition in SmackDown history. So they actually do the main event of the show, and there's still seven or eight minutes left in the clock. Mr. McMahon's music comes. He comes out to the ring, and he says, you know, how this is going to shake up the whole landscape, the biggest acquisition in the history of SmackDown. And then you just hear... Broom. <laughs> oh man! And he introduces Elias, and Elias comes out, and the crowd's just booing, and they're, everybody's mad. <laughs> and then Roman's music hits, and Elias takes the Superman punch. <laughs> oh no, poor Elias! He's, so, taking, yeah. he's taking it from all the greats. Yeah, but... taking it from all the greats. But uh, he, uh, yeah. but he, uh, he is now joined SmackDown along with uh, Bailey, who. Sasha did not go, so Bailey's now back in the singles ranks, which is good for her. And the uh, ordinary man who does extraordinary things. Be wearing the blue, yeah. the blue trunks. And I don't now. know how they're going to handle that with the belt because he's the Intercontinental Champion. Um, so I don't know uh, what that means. I guess the, that just means the belt stays on SmackDown now. They're not going to take it away from him. So, Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess so. So, uh, last thing that I'm going to throw out there. Um, if I'm going to be on the show for your Flat Earth review, it's going to have to be two weeks from now. Okay. Because a week from now, I will be at Fenway Park well. watching Red Sox Tigers. Well, well. 
And six days from now, I will actually be at the TD Garden Center watching Pacers Celtics. Well, well. Is that an if necessary game? Yeah, the Pacers just need to win one. They just need to get it to game five. Oh, man. What, how devastated would you be if this ends up being a sweep? Uh, it would take away uh, one of the nights. We'd have to f- just figure out something else to do. But yeah, little guy's trip to Boston next week. Oh, that's great. Thanks for the invite. I really appreciate that. I'll meet you there. You didn't get that one? No, no. I guess it must have got lost in the mail. It probably did. No, that's a pretty... If, hey, if you're able to to make it up, just uh, just, <laughs> yeah, just look me up when you get in Boston. Yeah. When I get there, you know, I'll just get a ticket to the game and maybe I'll run into you there. Yeah. Like the time we went to Yankee Stadium and I literally just ran into you after not uh, seeing that, you for six hours. It could happen again. Fenway's is, not even that big. No, it's not. It could happen. Yeah, a good little... Uh, That's a good little it, trip right there. It just started out as just a guy's trip just to because we haven't uh, been there before. Um, it's the same group of like five or six friends of mine that we've gone somewhere different the last several years and now it's slowly morphed into so we've got if necessary basketball game mm-hmm. we got tickets to the baseball game if this plays out right potentially friday night will still be there the bruins may have a home playoff game so well, we may get two playoff games and a fenway game in the same trip wow you're gonna take it taking it three wide here Oh man, it's. Are you guys staying in a uh, like an Airbnb or did you? Yeah. Go, oh wow. So we found. Uh, I didn't find the lodging. I wasn't. I was in charge of lodging last year when we went to Montana. I was. I was just in charge of tickets this year. Um. So the lodging has been found and reserved, but it's basically like a I don't know three or four bedroom condo type thing. In in Boston proper. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the train, I think it says it's only, uh, like 20 or 30 minutes to get to Fenway using the train. Boston has a train? Yeah. Oh. They got a train, they got like a subway system of some kind. I, you don't, did you think that I thought that Mr. Sandwich would just drive (laughs) us everywhere? Well, I figured, yeah, I figured that was part of the deal. Yeah. If, uh, if only. So, that's where I'll be next week. If if you well, two, that's good. It'll give me a. It'll give me an extra, extra week to get the documentary watched and all my notes compiled. And then if Dave's at an airport, perhaps we can uh, arrange a uh, two man a two man show to discuss the issues of the day. Yeah, if you two, if you two tampon nosebleeds want to do your own episode, feel free. But I will be. Unavailable next week, but back in two weeks to listen to your review and to give you the the Boston review as well. Was lost on me till I saw how hard it'd be to reach you, and I would always be light years, light years away.